Welcome to Sports, Clicks, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husong and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 96 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. I am Sean Hannon. This is Ben Husong. Glad to be here. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. Uh, how was your weekend? Uh, even by our standards, crazy. Crazy? Yes. Uh, give me a highlight. All right. Uh, baseball game Friday night for my son that we co- that I coach. And then I had to coach an 8 a.m. soccer game Saturday, a 9.15 soccer game Saturday. Get my daughter out to the Civic Center for her play. And then go watch the play. And then got home, cooked dinner, did some yard work, pulled some weeds. And then went to bed and then woke up Sunday. I built one of my raised beds that's going in. I got three more to go. And then it was my twins' birthday. They turned 11. So we did a big breakfast. We did a little scavenger hunt for them to find their presents. Uh, took my sons to the batting cage. My wife took my daughter to a tea party with my mother. So that was fun for them at uh, Sugar Rush. I was going to try to make a tea Willis. party joke there, but I just didn't come to one. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I should have given you a pause on that one. I'll <laughs> let, you, let you land that. And then took my son to baseball practice that night, out to dinner, and then had to run back to the ice cream shop because, as it turns out, on an 85-degree day, people buy a lot of ice cream, and we only I mean, have four people on. It sounds like you pretty much funded the economy here for the last I'm uh, pulling weekend. My weight, i got to tell you. <laughs> like, I'm doing my part for the local economy here. Uh, All right. And well, doing everything I can think of, but yeah, it was it, like even by our standards, my wife and I looked at each other last night, like, and that was too much. That was that was a bad one. Do you guys do the uh, step counting thing? Do you? Does that? Uh, no. no, no, we don't. I don't usually, but my phone has it built in. Yeah, and every once in a while, when I know I've done a lot of work or a lot of work, a lot of steps at um, uh, any one gig, uh, I had twenty one thousand. Nice. Yeah. Usually, I get like four. So. I mean, when I coach <laughs> baseball, I I have to walk like two oh, miles yeah. just wa- pacing up and down in front of the dugout. Like it's it's. I was always great you know, exercise. Similarly, but not. Uh, I was uh, often a uh, base coach, if you will, during my uh, beer softball days. Sure. So I did a lot of the pacing as well. So it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. So yeah, it was a great weekend. A lot done. A lot more to do now. This week's not going to lighten up at all. So um, the weather has cooperated. I, it's you, been. Today's going to be the first one where I, I think we're going to get hit with these thunderstorms. Yeah, so hard. Uh, speaking of that, if we lose power, it's like on our doorsteps. So yeah. anyway, they, they're, they're, they've been fine. We had a uh, our second cannabis market over the weekend. I was gonna so, ask, how was yeah, your weekend? Yeah. What did you do? Uh, just that. Went to the cannabis market? Yeah, not, I mean, funding the economy in a different way, I sure. guess. But uh, not as, uh, I don't know, as many stimu- uh, stimulus uh Packages going out amongst the community, just one big community, I guess. But I'm so. spread it all over, yeah. just wh- wherever we can find find some space. All right, so before we get into uh, some of the topics we're, we're going to uh, peruse today, uh, please like and share the uh, video. It's much appreciated. It is. Um, it's a, and I don't give know, us a, rumble. a rumble. Right, that's correct, a rumble. Well, so, I mean, you're going to spread um, the algorithms. Yeah, no, for sure. Together. And... Other things, um, we had our interview for our 100th episode. We did. I think that went well. I agree. You uh, were like a we, fanboy. It was hilarious, by yeah, the way. We haven't told anybody who it is yet, so I'm, I'm not going to do that yet. That's fine. So, but we have conducted that interview, so we are looking forward to that. 
Um, second, what else was I going to bring up? I can't remember. Oh, did wait? Did you hear? This is not really a news story, but I wanted to bring up that sure. uh, I saw that the uh, late, the oldest lady in the world, oldest person in the world, celebrated her 128th birthday. Come on, yeah. I don't have a nice way of asking this that doesn't sound, you know, mildly offensive. Is she Asian? She is South African. Huh. Celebrated her birthday this week. Born in 1894. She probably saw some stuff go down. Come on. Yeah. That's a real thing. I mean, I saw it on Twitter. That's got to be real then. (laughs) Wow. 128. That's a lot. That's a, I mean, she's, I, I think it said something like she's outlived, uh, you know, the entire world. Well, I understand she that. Won. But <laughs> she's one. Definitely. Um, what were you going to say though? She outlived what? Yeah. I can't remember like seven of her nine kids and like, you know, then like well, 40, 48 sad. of her 58 grandkids, like, you know, some, some crazy number. Imagine is, like dying at 95 and your mother attends your funeral. That's yeah. Quitter, wild. Quitters. Like, you, if you died at 80, your grandmother was at your funeral. Like, that's crazy talk. Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. All right. What's in the water in South Africa? So we do have some good topics to go over. Uh, some of the ones that we have, uh, again, we seem to uh, touch base on a lot of these ones. But we got Mark Musk Twitter stuff going on. Maybe, or maybe not. Who knows? That's the, uh, the, the, the question, I guess. You know, the Sussman trial, Michael Sussman trial, yeah. that begins today. I'm excited so, for that. It's kind of like the uh, initial measuring stick, I feel like. So, like, that has to uh, be successful if the Durham investigation is going to continue. Because if that trial goes against him, then, you know, they'll be calling for him to kind of... Let it go. Yeah, get out of here. So, um, we'll be paying attention to that. So, that's... uh, Got an article about that. Uh, Obviously, we probably bury the lead if you will uh we had the crazy horrific thing happen in buffalo there so yeah, we'll touch on some of the the fallout from that um i don't know no no epstein or hunter biden though so i don't know that's a waste then yeah well, let's did you watch any uh i know you're not an nba fan but did you watch any uh are you aware that the uh, nba conference finals are down to their uh, final four I actually if they don't call it the final four, but they their final four, the yes. uh, NBA conference championships. Are, I actually was uh, set. aware of that. So we have Boston and Miami and uh, my boy Luca and Golden State. So now I have something to root for. I know. Uh, I guess I'm cheering for Golden State. I don't know who to cheer for in the NBA. I just are you a Steph Curry fan? I do like Steph Curry. I like uh, like underdog stories of like Steph Curry. If you looked at him and when he was 18 and he's like, I'm going to go to the NBA. You'd be like. Oh, when when he was 22, when you were in at Davidson, Davidson, you're like, okay, you're like, yeah, yeah, you'll be, yeah, you might make a team, like you'll you'll be that shooter, and then all of a sudden, the guy just is one of the premier players in the NBA. Through, I mean, obviously a lot of talent, but just repeated work ethic and practice, just never stop shooting, doesn't count any bank shots as a make in his practices. Like if it hits the rim, he counts it as a miss. Like, the, the level of, of commitment that that takes, I'm impressed by. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him, I guess. Okay. Well, I guess we're uh, at odds then, right out of the shoot. All right, bring it on. Whatever that means. Does Luka Doncic really wear number 77? Did I see that right? Yeah. That's weird. He's fun to watch. He's, nobody plays like that, dude. All right. I might have to check him out. He can play forever, too, because, like, I don't think he's all that athletic. I mean, you know, he's, like, athletic, clearly. But you know what I mean? Like, he's not, like, NBA crazy athletic kind of guy. <sighs> Mm-hmm. So I think that his game could just carry forever. 
like, it's just going to be the same thing. Yeah, like he doesn't need to – he's not explosive, like, to the basket kind of thing. Like, he just is bigger and better than you at figuring out how to get a shot off. All right. So, and he makes them. So. All right, let's talk about uh, one of our adopted mascots here, Elon Musk. Um, my boy. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody else is my boy. Why can't that be? No, I, he, he can be. So, uh, he has decided that uh, – uh, I skipped over Bitcoin to talk, but – Oh, well, Elon Musk has decided to, uh, I don't know, El Salvador is holding a summit on Bitcoin. They're going to have like, I don't know, like 30 countries and their banks come in and do like a, hey, you should buy Bitcoin thing. So there, right. was, there was that in the nutshell. So I just wanted to introduce that to you. So there I did it. Uh, Elon Musk says Twitter claims Botchek broke his uh, non-disclosure agreement. So he basically said he ran, a, I don't know, some like kind of like internal uh, survey of 100 accounts to find out if they were, like, just random accounts to see if they were real people or not. And apparently the executives at Twitter claimed that that was somehow in violation of the agreement that they made, uh, the non-disclosure, you know, they can't, he, he's supposed not to trash talk to Twitter or whatever or in, uh, divulge any kind of internal whatevers. And apparently the executives have claimed that this might be, uh, this bot check broke the NDA. It was 100 users. Like, I mean, come on. It's not like he ran some crazy whatever, but um, I'll read the tweet here from you. Twitter legal just called to complain that I violated their NDA by revealing the bot check sample size is 100. He's like, this actually happened. So he didn't even give the results of the test. Huh. Just the fact just, that the, it was 100 yeah. people. Well, 100 yeah. accounts, not people. I mean, uh, it seems him. like they're doing everything they can to, you know, this seems is a weak attempt but any attempt to try to uh thwart the takeover of twitter by elon musk i guess so i mean there still are some uh you know securities issues that people are trying to push through as somehow uh, uh problematic but i don't know i just thought it was funny that they're, they're still hating on elon trying to snap, stop this down but i do feel like the bigger issue of the bots on twitter is something that should be cleaned up right like i mean Nobody wants your engagement to be littered with non-real people programmed to give somewhat real responses to create some kind of fake consensus on a whatever, you know, whatever. I mean, it's it's not helpful to the platform Agreed. at all. It's not is. free speech when it's a bot that is just coming out to like three to seven pre-programmed responses that all end in you're racist. Like, that's not, that's not helpful to the discourse. Now, if you as a human being want to accuse me of being racist, okay, fine, let's engage and let's discuss. But when it's just a bot that's, I'm making, I, this actually did happen to me at one point. I made a point about something with vaccines of, like, there's, there's an issue with not reporting vaccine injuries. Like, that's, this is something the government should be tracking better. And I was going back and forth with one person, and then, a bot came in and was basically like, hey, I got a picture of you on your way to your next meeting, and it was a Klansman. And I was like, I I don't understand how I'm racist. I, like, it, it, we weren't discussing anything even borderline related to race, and somehow, and then it was a buddy of mine that I was like, does this make sense? And he's like, it's a bot, man. I just went through the responses. That's all they sound like. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. I'm so confused. Yeah, maybe I can apply that to a couple times I got called comrade over the time. Oh, I was like, what? Where'd that come from? What? Anyway. You know, there's a lot of libertarian communists out there. I, so I mean, it, I'm just saying. The I mean, very so, common MO. I don't know. Listen, I'm still rooting for this whole thing to take over because I think it's for the best. I, you know, even if it's a temporary fix for the for whatever it's worth. Um, but it's 
it'll be interesting if this whole thing basically either, you know, I guess there's maybe two, two, two clear paths forward here. You know, Musk takes over and whatever happens, happens. He tries to fix it and it either fails or succeeds. Right. But it seems as though if this deal falls apart, Twitter's exposed themselves as a terrible platform. And I'm not saying it withers away and dies, but I mean, like, it seems to be exposed, not, not exactly the same way, but almost the way Robin Hood was exposed during that whole crazy, we're like, hey, do we really trust this whole thing? Like, yeah. he's kind of poked a bunch of holes and being like, hey, there's a bunch of fake accounts. You know, they inflate the users. They know they do this. They don't care. They're, they're basically lying to their advertisers. Um, you know, they clearly have a liberal bias. They All the stuff that he's kind of pointed out. I'm not saying that this any of this creates a secondary platform where everybody just immediately migrates to and it becomes a new ecosystem uh, because I – and I, you know, maybe maybe it can happen, and maybe Musk can drive that. You know, I don't know. He's, if if anybody can, he's probably the guy. Um, but I don't know if that would be him going after another one of these platforms and just basically taking a Gitter, a True Social, a whatever, a Minds or whatever it is, and just him doing his own thing. I don't think that works. Like I don't know. I feel yeah. like there's still a there's a way to there's still going to be a barrier trying to get into these new platforms because they have all these labels tied to them already, you know, like getters and gabs, whatever. But I don't, I don't, Musk could create a new one, I guess. But the interest, more interesting, the, the better for the story, for the for the world, is that Musk takes Twitter, redoes it, it becomes a, a healthy, uh, uh, lively public square, as he suggests. I don't know, man, if, if it doesn't happen and Twitter is, uh, implodes, like, I don't know, it's, it's bad. Yeah, I guess. Uh, listen, again, I think Twitter is has become the public square, but I think it is the public square that is coerced, controlled, and there is no... It's not a freedom of expression type place. It is... It, like, the clamoring for government censorship is... So disappointing and yet not totally shocking to watch it happen. Of Like, history just repeats itself, and here we go again. Um, but... This is this is what we get. So I hope he takes it over, truly, because I do think that it will at least uh, delay the the calls for more censorship because it is going to be a um, uh, he's a free speech advocate, and, I'm, and on that issue, I agree with Elon Musk. I, I find myself also as a very very big advocate for the free exchange of ideas, no matter how offensive or stupid just an idea so ex exchange them and discuss them and flesh them out and that's how we go and i think the answer to bad speech is more speech and the best antidote to somebody spewing hate is to let them keep talking because eventually they show you who they are and you go oh well i don't want to be hanging out with a neo-nazi so even if we agreed on this issue maybe not my people yeah it's another variation of uh don't uh, interrupt your enemy when he's making mistakes right Sun Tzu, like, okay. yes a valuable lesson don't yeah, interrupt your opponent so oh. I, in this case, I hope he, I hope it does. But I understand, like, all right, I put a number based on I could sell this much advertised because there's this much users, this many users. If the number of users isn't, like, it's not 10% off. But imagine if it's 30 or 40. That's a drastic change. That, that changes your numbers a lot. And if that comes out that Twitter has inflated their account numbers by that much, then shareholders, in my humble, novice legal opinion would be probably entitled to sue them for fraud because their stock price in large part is based on that. And if that's what they're doing to defraud the advertisers that are paying for their ads, 
uh, you could foresee a drop in the stock. People could lose money. That's actual damages that they are suffering. And if you can prove that the people in charge of Twitter were knowingly doing this, boy, they could be in a lot of trouble. So basically what I'm telling you is either way, I'm good. I, like, I'm good either way. Either direction this goes at this point, I am in. If Musk takes it over and this all happens, cool. If Musk decides no because of this and then somebody sues them and they all collapse, I'm good. I'm good either way. Yeah. But there'll be, there'll be uh, another story one way or the other here, I'm guessing. We'll follow up on it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's touch on something we haven't talked about, uh, in a few episodes anyway, but, uh, I feel like, or at least it seems as though the decision of whether or not, uh, Julian Assange will be extradited to the United States for espionage is imminent is what we're, uh, what I'm seeing anyway, uh, for people who report on, um, his position. So, um, Preeti Patel, uh, this is the uh, British Home Secretary, and she is the one who has been uh, given this uh, responsibility or authority, I guess, to make this decision of whether or not Assange will be extradited to the United States. People have brought some comparisons to uh, a a hacker who, uh, he's kind of famous in UFO circles, uh, McKinnon, Gary McKinnon, where he was like, he tapped into the NASA and uh, like, I don't know, some other, you know, secret files of uh, the U.S. and just left, left, left little bad security notes and, like, you guys suck at your job kind of thing. I don't know exactly what he wrote, but you know what I'm getting at, right? And so he w- he didn't take anything. He was looking for UFOs. He thought he was going to be able to find the this stuff, but he was a computer hacker. He went in there. He didn't find anything that he could, you know, divulge anyway, but just basically said, hey, your security sucks. Um, but anyway, so U.S. tried to extradite him for espionage because he was messing around on their stuff, even though, but, and the British did not, to their credit, I guess, did not send him over. So the allegations are much more serious here, even though I, you know, I don't even think that Assange is necessarily a hacker, have been proven to be a hacker at all. I think he's still just a publisher who's received materials, whereas McKinnon actually was the hacker. Um, I think so, it's hilarious that he left notes for the security. Yeah. Like, you guys suck. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this decision, you know, I've, a bunch of, uh, you know, free press uh, uh, advocates have been out there basically. I can't imagine that the protest stop in the United Kingdom. Um, if he's extradited here, the protests are going to continue here, I got to assume. And, you know, then it maybe becomes more of a uh, a local issue. But, I mean, he could... He could serve 175 years. So, and he's already served basically seven in exile right. at some basically a room in some embassy. In so Ecuadorian yeah. embassy in the UK. Um, yeah, I I think Julian Assange is a is a very strange case. But again, as someone who's let's go with mildly skeptical of the government, maybe moderately, um, I I don't think that this is for the greater good of if. He, you can't demonstrate how what he did violates a freedom of an independent press. I don't, I don't understand. You might hate him. You might not like what he published. You might not like any part of it. Okay, fine. But if we are to have a free and independent press to serve as a check on the power of the government, then the press has to be allowed to publish documents that are not only critical, but damning. To that government, especially when the government is involved in such levels of corruption as our government clearly is. Yeah, and speaking of known uh, 
government corruption, Daniel Ellsberg, who is the um, the one who released the Pentagon Papers, who basically showed about all the nonsense that was going on in the Vietnam War, who is a uh, Assange supporter, uh, basically said is, this extradition would mean that journalists anywhere in the world could be extradited to the U.S. for exposing information classified in the U.S. Because remember, Assange is not a U.S. citizen. Correct. He's Australian. A Australian. So this is, his, his point is that if you start messing around with you know, the U.S. military and start investigating stuff that they can just extradite you for espionage, and I don't see where he's wrong here. Um, it's a threat to, to to the free press and information. Uh, you know, we talked about platforms, but, I mean, if the U.S. government, and, I, you know, I'm not saying they're not doing it now, but if they have control of, uh, you know, if they can intimidate, because this is not only is this just punishment, this is basically saying anybody else, you think you're going to do this going forward. Look, look what we just did to this dude. We just basically killed him slowly and you're going to be next then you know don't don't go messing around in our business kind of thing so i do think that that's a threat to 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 you know just information in general and you know freedoms of these journalists is is clearly at at stake here so you know i i don't know what happens when if and when he does get extradited here but i i I can't imagine that the uh the uh the, the outrage surrounding this stops in in on that side of the Atlantic, anyway. I hope not. I hope people wake up, and I know especially in military circles, he's not a very popular guy. But I think a lot of that is because we were fed a lot of, I'm going to go with disinformation to put it mildly, uh, the other proper adjective would be bullshit, about what he did and what he shared and and how he did it. Um, I, I just, I can't get there. I can't get to the point where I think that this is in any shape, way, or form acceptable or okay. But the more time that goes on, the more I am convinced that the United States government is essentially the empire from Star Wars. Like, we're one tragedy vote away from declaring an emperor, except they won't because then there's a face to it. But the people, whoever's running this show, um, I, I don't understand how, how the average person can fall for this so completely of, yeah, good, they should extradite him. Like, well, wait a minute, do you realize what that means? You realize that, like, he wasn't in America. He All he did was publish documents other people leaked, and they were very critical. And they did. That's how we did learn that we were indiscriminately drone bombing people all over the Middle East. Yeah, and if you remember, they made, we covered this story. They made claims about claiming that he was the hacker, but the informant who made those claims turned out to be a liar and basically said he was... He was lying. <laughs> so um, there is no case that he was a hacker. The, the, all the, the circumstantial, well, the testimony that it was is now been basically taken away. So if that's your strongest evidence, yeah, you have you're no done. evidence. It's done. Right. It's, it's, it's so unbelievable. Um, I, I am I'm very troubled by the idea that this, this could be allowed to happen. I just, I, I'm, I, I don't have words for it, honestly, because this is terrifying. And people just seem to keep cheering it on the, the longer that it goes. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens. Like I said, it says uh, sometime this week. So um, I would expect uh, maybe we uh, have a decision by next show. All right. Another thing uh, maybe we, we'll be able to track uh, going forward is this Michael Sussman trial, a uh, result of the John Durham investigation into the uh, – uh, Russia uh, gate, uh, uh, I don't know what the right uh, at what the right uh, description of what they were this coup or what I don't know, whatever they were trying to figure out how they were trying to uh, uh, coordinate a um, 
Russia and Trump uh, association with nefarious uh, uh, association here. So Michael Sussman, if you remember, is the lawyer who was the, I guess, maybe former lawyer now, I don't know, but he was the former for the Clinton campaign and the DNC. And he is on trial for lying to the FBI by saying that he was, so back up one second here, he can't, He went to the FBI and propo, or presented them information saying he had information and came as a, a concerned citizen to the FBI to give this information, which was like some documents and some thumb drives, said, hey, Trump is involved with Russia and this Alpha Bank, and here is evidence to the such. And, uh, and in a corrupt way. Right, right. Untold, and, untoward ways. And that, uh, you know, he was not there representing on, on behalf of any other party. Well, turns out his billing record said otherwise. It's so awesome that he, he billed, billed the Clinton campaign. campaign or the DNC, one or the other or both maybe, for his time telling the FBI that he wasn't there working for the people who was paying him to be there. So right. like imagine like you're the FBI agent that's got this and this guy calls you up. Now you, you know him passively and he says, Hey, listen, I, I got some information here. It's, it's really striking. And I, I don't know what to do with it. I think you need to get involved and we need to get your independent law enforcement organization involved here. Cause this could be really serious. You're going to go, all right, well, come on in then. Like, let's let's see what you got. And of course, you're going to be a little skeptical because you know, even if he's not working for them, the guy is traditionally an operative of the DNC who happens to be running a campaign against this man that he is now claiming he has this information for. So, you know, you're going to be a little skeptical. And so he sits down across from you and says, look at these documents, look at this, look at this, and you go, okay, listen, just be straight with me. Are you showing me all this is like just because you found it or, or are you representing the, found, the, the opponent right now? Well, I'm not representing the opponent. How dare you, sir? What a gross accusation that I would besmirch my reputation like that. This is about a matter of national security. Because if he said, yeah, no, I'm billing the Clintons for this time right now, actually, because I'm working on their behalf and they really want you to have this. You'd be like, thanks, Mike. Have a good day. Go pound sand. And that would be the end of it because you would obviously be very skeptical. You'd be like, all right, listen, I'll look at it. And then you would have taken 10 seconds to look over it, fact check it with your immeasurable apparatus at your as I'll, I'll as I'll note the CIA did and dismissed it and they literally laughed at it of so like he got all they got the information too probably more and they're like uh, no come on guys like this is the CIA of all places looking at this and going guys we can't even spin this into reality all right like we can't even go and we, we've got a reputation to consider that we can't let you just run with this same people that uh, investigated themselves for the crack cocaine epidemic in the 90s and found that they were not involved whatsoever. It's an actual New York Times headline from like 1999 or something like that. It's wonderful. But anyways, so this guy that obviously is lying because if you're directly asked, are you working for the campaign? Are you working for the Clintons? No. And then you go and bill the Clintons for that exact moment in time. This is not a gray area. This is not a, ah, you know what? I forgot. It's not like they asked you about, hey, did you ever have any interaction with any Russian ambassador? And you go, no. And then it turns out 15 years ago you attended a dinner party where there was an ambassador from Russia there and you had forgotten about it and they accuse you of lying to the FBI. This exact case is the reason we have the law against lying to the FBI because you're actively covering up your intent to get the – you're trying to weaponize what is supposed to be an independent law enforcement body, the largest, if I'm not mistaken, independent law enforcement body in our nation – and you want to turn them on your political rival. I don't know. Man. Seems, seems fair wrong. game, I guess. Like, uh, feels like, I don't know, maybe this guy should 
be charged. Well, maybe, maybe this will make fines. you. Maybe this will make you feel better. So our, right now, our current national security advisor, yeah, Jake Sullivan, uh, he was a former top campaign aide to the uh, Clinton campaign. Uh, and at the time when this was uh, being uh, presented to as news, as as uh, information, hey, we became aware of this. This is uh, Jake Sullivan's take. This secret hotline may be the key to unlocking the mystery of Trump's ties to Russia. So he's our national security advisor. So you got that? Look forward to. <laughs> it's so disappointing. Uh, and I'll read. Uh, this is from the New York Post article. Um, he's like, and I'll read this. Uh, but an FBI investigation found that the email server at issue was not owned or operated by a Trump organization, but rather had been administered by a mass marketing email company that sent advertisements to the Trump hotels and hundreds of other clients, according to Sussman's indictment. <laughs> That's dumb. And the problem is, it's, listen, these are the people that are in charge. Of but it this. worked. I mean, it literally worked. There, I still have family that believes that Trump colluded with Russia. I have members of my family that believe that to this day, that they just are waiting on the evidence, and I'm staring at them like... The walls are closing in. Oh, God help you. You're going to be so mad when nothing comes of this, but nothing's ever going to come of this. I'm sorry. It's just not there if it was. And that's the problem. These people are not stupid. So they're lying. Like, you couldn't get it this wrong with an honest mistake. This is, you are so biased it has clouded all objectivity, or you knowingly went in there and like, hey, we're just going to see if this sticks. And then it caught a little traction, and you're like, well, doubling down on this. And these people are in what are supposed to be independent agencies. A couple years ago, when Bernie um, Sanders had the... Democrat primary stolen from him 100%. No no doubt about it. Thank you, Julian Assange, for letting us all know that, by the way. And it was so clear that they just robbed him of the nomination. He was going to win it. He was going to beat Hillary Clinton. He was going to take it. But the reason they were able to do that is because the election before that, or 2008, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were both going to be president. And Hillary Clinton was like, all right, we're going to get this. And then instead, Barack Obama got us. She said, well, we can't let this happen again because there was too many of the... Um, Superdelegates. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Went for Obama. She's like, hmm. So just hypothetically, I'm not going to say any motive. So what happened from there was Obama ran his eight years. Towards the end of his eight years, they had to start thinking about, hey, who's going to be next? And they weren't going to run Joe Biden for very obvious reasons that we're all experiencing firsthand right now. So they needed somebody else. So Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, suddenly becomes the president of the Democratic National Committee. She gets named to that role a year or two before the election. I think in 2014 or 2015, she took over. Now, you might think, wow, that's a really good promotion for somebody from campaign manager to a losing candidate to the chair of the Democratic National Committee. And I would agree with you. Now, who would give up the chair position of the Democratic National Committee what would you have to take instead? So oddly enough, the person that just walked away from the chairmanship of the Democratic National Committee was Tim Kaine, who then ended up as Hillary Clinton's vice presidential candidate. Now, here's my point. That is corrupt. It's dirty. It's sleazy. They, they stole this thing from Bernie Sanders and all of his supporters, and then Bernie Sanders rolled over and was like, well, let's get him anyway. Come on, guys, go team, you fraud. But that's all legal. Every part of that is perfectly fine. It's dirty, it's corrupt, but it's politics, and it doesn't cross the line of illegality. 
when you involve the NSA, the FBI, or an intelligence agency and set them on your political opponent, that crosses the line into illegal. You are no longer in the normal realm of corruption. You have now crossed the line from this stinks to you should go to jail. And it's a very, very clear distinction of what you do within your own selves if you want to go. Even Harry Reid coming out and saying Mitt Romney doesn't pay his taxes. And they went, is that true? He goes, it's not my job to find out if it's true. It's yours. You got to go report it and then figure it out. Knowing full well it was a lie. Not illegal. Not illegal at all. Perfectly okay. Because he didn't turn, he didn't give false information to, knowingly false information, to a authority or an entity with law enforcement power, like they have subpoena power, they have search warrants, they have intelligence apparatus, and you set them on your opponent under false pretenses. If you can't understand the distinction between that and just the, the regular lying about the other candidate, I don't know what to do with you. Because obviously that's very, very different and way more serious and way more concerning. Am I crazy? Yeah. No. Like I said, I mean, there's some real teeth with those investigations, so... And again, I just can't pass up any opportunity to point this out since I brought him up. Bernie Sanders is a total fraud. Yes. What a what a complete letdown that guy turned out to be. You, you're terrible. Yeah. Oh well. Sorry. All right. Well, you know who's not terrible, Ben? No. <laughs> well, Australia. They're number one. They're still terrible. Just for the record. Um. So, you sent me this. I thought we should uh, touch on it a little bit. And turns out that the island, continent, country of Australia, who locked down like no other and uh, to uh, thwart the COVID uh, experience and spread amongst their people, now leads the world in, uh, well, other than a couple of tiny little countries, but by all measure, all measure, real measurable purposes, leads the world in COVID cases. Um, now, right, I'm thinking about it right now. It's winter there, right? Or going into their winter season, yes. I guess. So uh, buckle up for Australia. Um, and oddly enough, it this new wave, the highest wave they've ever had, came on the heels of another round of mass boosting. Shocking. It's probably a coincidence that this keeps happening all over the weir- the world is where people get double vaxxed and then there's a wave and then they get boosted and then there's a wave. I'm sure it's a coincidence. That's why all across America, the press can't stop discussing that COVID-19 cases uh, are rising again in America. That's, that's probably normal, right? Um, not usually. So, yeah, and here's the problem. The reason you're not hearing about it anymore is because guess who it's happening to? It's happening to people that are vaccinated and boosted. It's not happening to the unvaccinated now. They can't even claim it. It was always a farcical claim and one that was so unhinged from reality. You're like, come on, you, you should have been skeptical. Now they can't even hide it. It's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Now it's a pandemic of the vaccinated. And I'm sorry like to, to be the bearer of bad news, but you're, you're, you're already having, the FDA is having a meeting in June, June 20th, I think is the meeting. And they said, well, you, we're probably going to view the COVID booster shot like the annual flu shot. And so we're going to meet on June 20th, all right? Now, you would expect the meeting is going to be about whether we should do annualized boosters for COVID, right? Because that would, that would be step yeah. one. Yeah. No, the meeting is about what formulation they should do of the booster shot that they are going to administer annually along with the flu shot moving forward. 
Gotcha. So we missed that first meeting. I guess. I guess. I so. wasn't invited. I, you know, you got to pass it to find out what's in it. We just deemed it passed, and now this is happening. And I'm I'm sitting here just is flummoxed. Still a good word. Yeah, I'm flummoxed. Love it. I am flummoxed as I'm looking at it and going, "You're supposed to be the regulatory agency that protects the people. That's your job." Is here's the reality. We know that Pfizer and other medical companies are evil. We know that they are so indifferent to the plight of human suffering that they would gladly get every one of us addicted to opioid if it meant they would have a good quarter. This is very well established. We know full well they will sacrifice every person on the continent of Africa if it means they can test out vaccines with no ramifications or oversight. Gladly, without a second thought. The FDA exists to protect us from them. It does not exist to protect them from wild conspiracy theorists with podcasts going, hey, something seems wrong here. And then the FDA wants to clamp down on us, be like, you're spreading disinformation. Like, no, no, you're you're hurting people, and, and you, they're hurting people, and you're letting them. Like, how dare you? How dare you besmirch our good name? Like, I, You're not doing your job. This is akin to the 2008 financial crisis when Moody's and S&P were both rating all of these junk mortgage bonds AAA rated. And their answer was, well, if we don't, the other side will. No, you're the regulatory agency. You're the ones who are supposed to stop this from happening. And you just are like, well, you know, money, we need it. Oh, awesome. So the FDA having a meeting in June announcing, hey, I think, I think we might need to do COVID shots every year, boosters. Uh, I think that's going to be the new normal. Okay, well, when are you going to have a meeting to decide that? Well, June 20th. Okay, and you're going to decide that? Well, we're going to decide what formulation makes the most sense. Oh, so you, you've already decided we're doing annual COVID shots forever. It's just a matter of what version? Because obviously the data surrounding the, you remember when they said this early on, we, we brought up the point about, hey, if you give people this vaccine, it looks like they're not generating durable immunity that's going to respond to others. It gets very specific only to that one. There's a real risk here. And the response was, well, then they'll just, this is the beauty of mRNA. They'll just develop one that's variant specific. You're like, yeah, that's, that's an assumption that you can't know with certainty at this point. Considering they had made zero up until that point. I'm saying they had never done it. And you're just assuming that this is a given and it's going to work exactly as you intend. Because that's always a smart idea. And so when we said that, that was the response. And now Moderna did a test of a variant-specific vaccine. Guess what happened? It was less useful than the already borderline useful old vaccine. And so now we're going to do boosters forever with more stuff we know doesn't work? And this is my point. I'm not even mad at Pfizer. Pfizer is who they are. Moderna, they are who they are. I, like This is what they do. It's like being mad at an oil company for spilling oil. Like, come on, guys. This is who they are. The government and the agencies that are set to regulate them that are completely on the, uh, in the pocket of these companies is where my anger lies. This is where I get so genuinely upset when people want to tell me, well, CDC would never do that. I think I can help you here, Mr. Husung. Oh, thank God. You always are helpful at these moments. Fauci's royalties and the $350 million royalty payment stream hidden by the NIH. It's the first time since 2005 that the NIH royalty payments receive oversight. So, I don't know if you've touched, read this at all. No. So, let me give, uh, there's zero chance I'm going to uh, accurately pronounce Adam's last name here. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Uh, Andrew Zewski. Andrew Zewski. Adam Andrew Zewski, who uh, is writing here for the, uh, uh, open the books, it's a Substack. 
May 9th is dated this here. So last year, the National Institute of Health, Anthony Fauci's employer, doled out $30 billion in government grants to roughly 56,000 recipients. That largest, largest of taxpayer money buys a lot of favor and clout within the scientific research and healthcare communities. So open the books. They did a, um, had, had to do a lawsuit because they basically filed a FOIA and they didn't get what they wanted and Naturally, got, I mean, and, and, and got, and got what they wanted, but redacted. Um, so I'll read right here again from their article. Uh, our organization opened the books, forced NIH to disclose over 22,100 royalty payments, totaling nearly $134 million paid to the agency and nearly 1,700 NIH scientists. These payments occurred during the most recent available period, September 2009 to September 2014. So the NIH is getting what they call royalty payments. Sure. Some would call them, as I did in our uh, graphic here, kickbacks, um, from folks like Pfizer and Moderna. So they're, the taxpayers are funding the NIH. The NIH is giving grants to the Pfizer-Moderna folks, and they're being labeled as co-inventors, the NIH is, and therefore getting royalty payments from the Companies like Pfizer and Moderna back to upwards of 1,700 scientists. This doesn't have 2,000. They have, they're they waiting for 1,800 pages from 2015 to 2020 because they couldn't release them all at once. So they're waiting for this information that they're going to have where these royalty payments slash kickbacks to the folks of the like Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, and all the uh, heads and other 1,700 scientists apparently – you would wonder why they would be so uh, uh, lax on making sure that the uh, the uh, products that they're getting kickbacks from are safe, Mr. Yusong. What do you think about this uh, uh, royalty program for the National Institute of Health? If Anthony Fauci had one, I couldn't wait to figure out what the number is that he sold his soul for. So, and we know as a soul. So, I told you they got information, right? Sure. They, they only ha- they have total amounts for the whole program, but all the information that was broken down by the people, the the uh, amounts and uh, where they were from are redacted. So they just have the total number of kickbacks to the assigned uh, person here. So they give three three examples here. Anthony Fauci, director of the NIAID, is the highest paid federal bureaucrat. Received 23 royalty payments. We don't know who from and for how much, but 23 royalty payments. Um, and I don't know. And just to make a note here that Fauci's uh, taxpayer-funded salary is $456,000. So he's, he's doing all right. He's doing okay. Um, Francis Collins, NIH director from 2009-2001, received 14 payments. His uh, salary was 203500 And Clifford Lane, who we don't hear much about, but Fauci's deputy uh, at the NAID, uh, received eight payments. Uh, he was making $325,000. So, if, listen, he's probably the, in the top five funded bureaucrats. So, fun for us. Um, do you think there's a conflict of interest uh, with these royalty payments, Mr. Husson? <laughs> I wish I could have had a picture for your face changes. <laughs> Sorry. No. No, this is all fine. This is fine. I mean, these people are obviously beyond reproach. Their, their commitment and their integrity, their commitment to the truth is, is unparalleled. 
And and why would they be redacted? There's no reason for them to be redacted. I, tell you, I mean, there's no legitimate reason for them to be redacted. Think about the, the beauty of this. Of the only reason on a FOIL request that you can redact information, you can't redact it because it's harmful. You can't redact it because you don't like it or it's embarrassing. You can only redact it for reasons of there's got to be a national interest, like national security. You, you could lose something. Uh, traditionally, and I'm going to assume their reasoning is the same on this one, is their reasoning for redacting the information is because if people saw it, it might cause a loss of confidence in the institution or the people involved. So if you're submitting a FOIL request on the basis of, I think your motives are corrupt, and I think I figured out why you're giving out bad advice, and your response is, well, we can't give this to you because it might make people think we're corrupt. Yes, that's the exact reason I want the information is because I think you're taking your $450,000 taxpayer-funded salary and then using this position to more personally enrich yourself while not not doing your job, while not actually serving as a check on these historically sociopathic companies. And this is the this is the equivalent of being a, a referee is betting on a game. Yeah, well, I mean, if if it wasn't for the uh, pesky Associated Press back in two thousand five, who shed light on this, they wouldn't. They basically have become even more secretive since then. So that's what happened. Somehow, the uh, uh, there was an investigation in two thousand five. They kind of opened the door to this whole idea that there was this royalty program, and as soon as it was exposed, they basically circled the wagons and made sure nobody knew about it. So. Can you imagine what the royalty kickbacks were for 2021? I can't wait to find it. It's going to be obscene. I don't think people understand how much money these companies made that quarter. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm not mad at any of the people that do this. I'm mad at the people that are supposed to serve as the check and the balance against them. Of Yeah, people cheat. They do it all the time. And yes, I promise you, Pfizer has a long track record of not caring if you die at all. Yeah, I would encourage anybody to go read the art. There's a lot of juice stuff in there. Uh, you know, I put the uh, link to all of our articles in the in the show notes there. A lot of what? Links to the articles. Juice stuff? Huh? Juicy stuff, I said. <laughs> Easy, killer. <laughs> so, Don't get us banned. I was like, where are you going with this? No, there's a lot of juicy stuff in here. Like I said, go, going back, you know, they go through the process. I mean, they kind of show the documents. It doesn't really matter. But, I mean, they got to go through the history of this program and how crazy that this is the first I'm ever hearing of it, I feel like. so. Just keep in mind, this is the same FDA that when opioids came out allowed the companies to just put a they're not highly addictive label on them. And, and also, even when they gave them a warning, they lowered the standard by which they could prescribe opioids. Like, the idea that this organization or this federal agency is beyond corruption is laughably false. So I think I found a reason for you to vote for Donald Trump. I, Fauci says he will leave White House if Trump wins 2024 election. Help me, I'm going to vote for Trump. <laughs> I literally I paused on that. I was like, does this mean I'm voting for Trump? <laughs> I mean, the, uh, yes. God help us. So all. apparently this was in an interview. I don't know where. Let me see if it shows down here the interview. Um it looks like he was on CNN, so shocking. But um yeah, so apparently the host, I can't even see who it is down there, but uh asked him if, you know, he would stay on if Trump won and he uh said no. So I'm just throwing that out there. That's all I'm saying. 
I'm not, oh. you know, I'm not a, I, I have, I've never voted for Trump. That's all I'm saying. Oh my God. The hell right. Trump, I'm like, somebody give me a MAGA hat. I, I can't, I, I'm going to become a single issue voter. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap up on this terrible story. Um, and we don't usually cover stories like this because I find it just not fun to talk about. And I like to try to keep our shows fun for the most part, sure. even if we're not uh, there. But I do think that there's some important things going on here. Um, and it does have some local ties since we are in New York here. We are, uh, I don't know if anybody knows here, we are in Syracuse, New York. So uh, Buffalo is a uh, straight shot, two-hour drive. Uh, Mr. Husong has spent uh, a large majority of his life in Buffalo. I actually spent two year, uh, about a year, a little over a year in Buffalo myself. Um, but as you know, there was a shooting at a local supermarket. And... Uh, a gentleman has been arrested, and he is in custody. He drove from Conklin, New York, which is a tiny little town south of Binghamton, which seems like a uh, you know a crazy crazy thing. But if you kind of read through his um, manifesto, if you will, he basically outlines that he's like I looked for the the zip code with the highest demographic of African Americans and went there and basically stalked out this grocery store for a couple of weeks. Was there the day before? He was there the day before panhandling out in front of the thing. He was basically doing recon in in camo. So, like, he's a – this dude's just more than a screw loose. Yeah. Right. He's a psychopath for sure. And so 10 people are dead. 13 people were shot. Um, not all the names are out. Um, you can find all information on that uh, uh, everywhere, basically. You know, people are covering this there. But – we did have some uh, local, our governor, Hochul, who's also from that uh, the Buffalo area, or at least Western New York anyway, um, has come out since, you know, she's going to figure out how to solve the, the killings with more gun laws, um, keep criminals from uh, shooting people with more gun laws. Uh, she's uh, really about the gun laws. She's also really about big tech. She uh, claimed that somehow they're accomplices in this. Uh, uh, if you don't know, he live-streamed the uh, event uh, uh, for people to watch. And so somehow she's making accomplices out of, uh, folks who, who, I don't know, allowed this guy to, to exist, I guess. But, um, I'll just remind everybody we are in a, uh, governor's campaign race in the middle of this. So I can't imagine that these are not calculated, uh, uh, sound bites for sure that are going to be used, uh, throughout this campaign. But so I expect to hear a lot about, those two things going forward now here in New York. I mean, I don't know I, what you think. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about how criminals don't really care about too many laws. Uh, one more gun law is not going to, this guy bought them legally. You know, I mean, they've interviewed the guy who bought him and he's like, he passed a background check. He's like, I feel terrible, but like, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, he may have modified the gun. I think that's still kind of up for debate, but I don't know. What's your general thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts about the, uh, um, the, the governor's reactions? And um, I don't know just anything else to go along with that i hate the culture of don't let a tragedy go to waste that's that's my over overarching takeaway because this was a this was a tragedy i mean I, I i lived in buffalo for about 12 years um i have a lot of fam i have family in buffalo i have friends in buffalo i've i've been to that tops like i i, I know the area um it it's it was terrifying um and the idea 
that somebody would do this. And especially, like, if I saw this correctly, he had just graduated, and he planned on shooting up his college, but some of the staff, like, reached out to law well, he's, enforcement. So he, like, he was 18, so maybe oh, high school he then. dropped out. He was at Broom Community, I think it was, okay. um, uh, or SUNY Broom, whatever it was down there, down in Binghamton area, and uh, but was no longer enrolled there when this okay. happened. So apparently it was a uh, – I, but I'm assuming he's, he was 18, so he must have just graduated high school, Got and uh, this was probably his first semester in at Broom, or for for as long as he lasted anyway. But yeah, and go ahead. Listen, this is stuff that just it doesn't line up. From what I've understood about this gentleman's manifesto, and I've I've only read parts of it, um, he is a white nationalist who fears that the white population is being replaced, and he fear, views anybody that is of European descent and culture to be white, and everybody else is not. And he's very concerned about immigration, about too many people coming into the country. Is that? Yeah. So I, I didn't read. Mo- so my reading, and I haven't read the whole manifesto, nor will I. Um, but the parts that I have seen that I feel like have gotten the most publicity in my circles were in response to the Rolling Stone article, right? So the Rolling Stone article came out, and I don't have that pulled up here, but basically saying, you know. This is not surprising. This is a typical Republican, the right? The exact headline was, this is not a lone gunman. He is a typical mainstream, mainstream Republican. Republican yes. Which, reading his manifesto, he says basically from the ages of 15 to 17, he was a communist. communist and then has now, uh, you know, I guess moved right, if you will, but still declares him a left authoritarian, you know. So it's he's this idea that he's a Republican is mind-boggling. Um so, but it fits their preordained narrative that, you know, there's crazy white Republicans fueled by Tucker Carlson or whoever, and that they're, you know, using them as uh, fuel to take out these racial, you know, uh, anger on these on innocent people or whatnot. But that's not what this is at all, or it doesn't seem to be through what we know, you know, through the days right now. It seems as though it's it's not that, but it hasn't really... You know, the facts don't let the facts get in the way of a good narrative, I guess. So don't let a tragedy um, go to waste. Yeah, and they and they, and people are doing that. So I I do find the idea that the initial, you know, sound bites that was out there was you know Tucker Carlson's to blame, the rights they were blame, blame the Republicans. It's the white nationalists, it's the white supremacists, and they try to lump all those things together. But as you point out, this guy, you know, by all intents and purposes, was a white supremacist and from the left, right? So like and violent uh, clearly and a psychopath a psychopath right so it's hard to first and foremost he's the psychopath right that's the group of people that i'm putting him into like right. you know i try not to group people um but when people try to mislabel folks for a narrative i feel like it's worthy pointing out the fact that he self-described as a left authoritarian yeah and i on top of that like it just the idea that you would feel comfortable enough and i don't remember who it was uh Waji, Ali. I can't remember his name, but he's a left-leaning commentator, politically speaking, and he came out and said every single Republican needs to go on the record and apologize for for make, basically saying this is your fault for taking these racially charged stances. And again, if you're going to accuse half the country, oh, let's go 40%, 40% of the country as being so racist that they are in favor of murdering indiscriminately black people you really need to stop like your your head is not in a healthy place this is this is your world is is too narrow-minded you need to go meet some republicans like 
don't get me wrong, they're not perfect people, but holy crap, neither are Democrats. Like, we're all, we're all flawed. We're all trying to make sense of it. I don't think you'd have too hard of a time determining that nearly every rational sane person would tell you that this is a tragedy and should never have happened. Nobody is supporting this. Going out and calling the guy a Republican isn't helping anything. Using this as a claim. No, it's I, not even helping. It's it's purposely. Politicizing. Yeah, it's 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 like claiming, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, killed black oh people, God. right? So, like, it's it's literally a lie. Like, yeah, there's he, people like uh, Vindman's wife. Alex Vindman's wife was on Twitter like, how long until this shooter gets to party at Mar-a-Lago? You're like, what is wrong with you? You absolute psycho. And here's the thing. I think we use the term psychopath and sociopath indiscriminately in its lost meaning. A psychopath has a definition. And generally speaking, it includes an absolute indifference to the suffering of other people. Like, not capable of the emotion of of empathy. That person is a psychopath. And that is what this guy is. He is indifferent to the suffering of other people. And you are capable of tremendous evil if you don't have that, that capacity for empathy. And I don't know if he never had it. I don't know if he lost it. I don't know what happened to this guy. And honestly, I, I don't care. I don't want to give this guy any more energy or, or thought than I absolutely have to. Um, what he did was an absolute travesty. And you're going to use this to call for more gun control. We already have, like, the strictest gun control in the country, in the state, outside of California. Um, how long until you acknowledge it doesn't work? Like, prohibition isn't going to work. It didn't work for alcohol. It's not going to work for guns. It didn't work for drugs. Like, stop. Your method does not get results, and it leads to more suffering. Yes, people were dying from drugs. You outlawed them all, and it became a drug trade that killed way more people than were ever going to die of drugs. Now you're going to do the same thing here. This is, this is a terrible plan. Um, yeah, and listen, you can't make law for this. Right. Like, there's nothing he would have found any way that he would have found, at any time, right, at any time of, of history, this psychopath, if he wanted to put his mind to it, would have figured out a way to, to do harm. And... You know whether or not it's ammonium nitrate that whatever like there's there's other ways and again if the the he he bought these things legally and then modified you know got some clip or something from someplace else supposedly again I haven't you know they, they were still only a few days after this whole thing and they haven't really divulged all of the information yet but this is stuff that's stripping out so it's not and, she, and she hasn't given any kind of specific gun laws she just no. says gun laws right so like you know i'm i'm sure they'll use this to push some kind of gun law ban even though it had nothing to do with gun laws or ghost guns i'm sorry um but anyway tragic for sure um you know it's going to be unfortunately politicized this whole campaign at oh, least those two awful. i i think the the gun laws and the the big tech thing is going to be crazy you know, incessant ads on, on both those things for the whole, you know, until November, I guess. So I, I just know. wish we could have the moment of mourning before we have to get into everything else. Just the, what an unspeakable tragedy by this absolutely evil human being. What can we do to be supportive of each other? And instead it immediately turns into, you know what? You're to blame. It's your fault this happened. And then the in inevitable response is, wait, 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 wait. No, I, I didn't do this. What do you mean it's my fault? How dare you? Like, yeah, exactly. See how defensive you're getting? And it, everything is talked about except the victims, except the people that were just trying to go on about their life and go to a grocery store and ended up getting mowed down by this absolute psychopath. How about we think of them? And if... Again, if you're telling me, yeah, it's for them that we need better gun control, like it's 
it's just not going to work. I, I don't know how many instances we need before people begin to understand the government is not the answer to your problems. Yeah, no, they just they just know that the motions are high and they they just get get their news out, right? I mean, they just know they know that, they, that it's a drill for them. They they know. Yeah, I think Kathy Hochul would have been smarter politically. And thank God she's not smarter politically, by the way. But it would have been a much smarter play to pick one issue or the other. Make this one about either tech censorship or gun control. Yeah, listen, it. and, you know, maybe she'll, you know, stick her finger, lick her finger and figure out what, stick it in the air yeah. and figure out which way the wind's blowing and figure out which one is more, uh, got more traction. But, um, you know, she's at least taking shots at it. So she's she's already running on this. On she's this. terrible. Yeah, she's terrible. So She's just a terrible person. All right, let's do it for the uh, for the Monday folks here. It's only, it's only one. We got out of here pretty early here yeah. today. So um, anything you would like to leave the folks with here uh, before uh, we see them all again next Monday? No, just, I don't know. This is a depressing way to end the show. It's yeah. just, it is. It's sad, and I feel for these people. I feel for the city. Um, and I, I think it's not going to get better until we stop viewing everybody who has a political difference of opinion with us as an enemy. I, yeah. like, it's, it's beginning it's becoming entirely too partisan. This is becoming too common. And it's the answer. I don't, I don't have the answer. I, I don't know what the answer is, but my God, I just, this has to stop. And it's not social media. I mean, Timothy Vey committed pretty good acts of terrorism before Twitter was ever a thing. And it's not because of gun control. Like it's, it's not that we, we the gun control in New York is too lax. It's these are, you're, you're, you're looking at symptoms and diagnosing symptoms instead of root cause of problems and you're making the problems worse. It's more divide. It's more indifference. It's If you really believe that all Republicans support this, then what would you not do to a Republican? Because if you really believe that, that a person was capable and supported this, then you view that person as less than human. Like That is a very dangerous path to walk down mentally. I'm, it's not going to end well if we keep going down this path and we keep listening to these idiots at the, top, at the loudest speakers on Twitter all pointing it out and giving them a platform. This the woman who wrote the article about he's a typical Republican is the same one that accused an ICE agent of having Nazi tattoos and then had to get fired because it was so blatantly false. Like, this woman has a track record. We should stop listening to her. Rolling Stone is the same publication that talked about the ivermectin overdose epidemic in Oklahoma that didn't exist. Like They created a whole freaking rape story at like Virginia, oh, too, Duke right? Oh, the Duke story. I, God, I forgot about that oh, one. So it was in Virginia, right? They, yeah. like, they, they, they created a whole basically fictional character, or somebody did uh, yes. do that. That's, that yeah, they should no longer be subscribed to if you're... Uh, yeah, stop giving yeah. these people your money. Stop giving them your time. And just understand, unplug. Because if you get off the internet and just go and interact with people, I have so few negative real-life interactions with people, it's unbelievable. And I'll, I'll end on this to back you up. So at my cannabis market over the weekend, I know this is a weird twist, but it is. one of the tables was unmanned, pay what you can afford. Wow. Yeah. And then I asked the farmer after the fact, he was like, yeah, it was great. So like, everybody just paid. <laughs> See, it can happen. Weed's going to yeah. bring us all together. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll get you out of here. Uh, I'll remind you again to uh, please share the video. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Uh, follow us on Rumble there. Uh, if you're listening to the uh, podcast, uh, I start, I'm, uh, if you're listening to the audio version, uh, you'll probably hear a, uh, uh, a terrible intro, so I apologize for that now. Um, but we'll see you all again next Monday, and uh, I don't know, maybe next Monday we'll uh, introduce the topic of our 100th episode discussion and then leave the guest as a mystery for at least another week. I'm in. All right, so on that note, we'll see you all again next Monday at noon, 
And uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, please, uh, again, do your obligatory sharing and liking of the uh, show. Thank Leave you very rumble. much. Leave a rumble. Shoot on the, well, this one, this this is literally almost all backup now. Okay. So, but I have another. I have the video recording here, which I also forgot to hit. But understandable. I think I can get. Oh, that makes sense. All right, I gotta go finish cleaning ice cream. All right. Thank you. Been fun. Always.